Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment. This week we have Jim Parkin, myself, Ashley Chandler, and our awesome, amazing guest speaker, Elizabeth Lang. So it's really awesome when we get a colleague, somebody that has walked along with us right. and, and right. know kind of some of the ropes that we've seen and stuff and been able to share their testimony. So that's what we're, we're excited to do today. Right on. It's also cool because, you know, you came to, I think, our first community night back. We had taken kind of a hiatus as we transitioned under the church. So the first one back, you were there and dived all in. It was awesome. Yeah. Really the first person outside of our little team. And it's just been, I'm in. So we appreciate it. It's yeah. Super cool. It's awesome having oh, you. Oh, yeah. It was something that I'm passionate about. So I was ready to go. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so share just a quick second about like what your, your background and who you are and a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I, I am 40 some years old. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, I have three kids. I am married. I was a 911 dispatcher for Genesee County for 12 years. Okay. Um, as of right now, I am part of the Freedom Center. I was raised Catholic, so okay. I was away from the church for a long time until somebody brought me back to the Freedom Center, which I was reluctant to come to church. But the first time I came to the Freedom Center, it just stuck. That's awesome. <laughs> it was different. I think that's why I was reluctant at first because I was raised Catholic and I knew I didn't want to be involved in a church like that again. So when I came here, it was just, it was shock. It was, right. I was in awe. It was just so different. Yeah. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. It got me involved and it got me, got me thinking about it again. And it just, it got me wanting to know more about God. That's cool. So would you say that you've always believed in Jesus, like you've always believed in God, or did you become a Christian later in life? I always talked to God. I always had a relationship with God. I just didn't know how to get back to a church that I thought I would like to be a part of. Yeah, good community. Yeah, I didn't know what religion I wanted to be a part of. I didn't know anything but Catholic. That's the way I was raised. Yeah. So, and I didn't know anybody else that was anything else. Right. And I didn't look for anything else because when I got, I was, a, I mean, I got divorced from my son's father. And um, when I got remarried, my husband wasn't part of a church, so I just never looked. Right. And when I met, um, when I started a job, I met somebody that asked me to go like numerous times. And I said, no, 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 no. And she said, well, I'm trying a new church. Will you at least try that with me? And I said, okay. And even the morning she wanted me to go, I woke up and I'm like, I don't know, 10 minutes before they came to get me, I'm like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I went, and from that day on, I continued to go. And she doesn't even go to the church anymore. But That's so funny. I just never left. It's crazy I, how that comes together. Yeah. That's how I was, too. 
whenever when Holcomb would invite me and invite me and invite me. And then another colleague, another guy we worked with, was like, at the time, those guys were in Mexico on the mission trip. Okay. Or was their first Sunday back. So he's like, well, Brian's getting back. You should go. And I, in my arrogance, I was like, well, I'll do him a solid. I'll help my buddy out. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll show up. But then, yeah. Well, and you were, for a while, too. I mean, you guys were working your weekends and stuff like that, like yeah. your schedules and stuff. That, I mean, fully, strategically working Sundays so that my mother couldn't hassle me about church. Because, <laughs> I, grew, you know, I grew up in the Lutheran church, which is Catholic light. Right. You know, I mean, it is. Just yeah, pretty thing. similar. When we moved to the area in 2008, we're, we actually visited a bunch of different churches. We had Colleen at the time, who was only about a year and a half. But the children's stuff here was just so awesome that... We just felt really comfortable yeah, here. So, so you spent time at at main dispatch at nine one one. So for me, for a paramedic and you know a fireman, but mainly a paramedic, the dispatched, you know, it's just our mo is to obviously to dislike dispatchers because <laughs> you get us the worst time, you know, and for you know the details coming over on the computer aren't always super just, clear. It's just no punctuation. It's almost easier for me to read without punctuation, though, because it'll be all one paragraph, and I'm, like, deciphering. All right, are they 137 years old? I don't know, no, no, that's the address. Okay. Okay, what is it? All right. No, but just for years, I had no, like, I was no frame of reference for what goes on with you guys until Ashley and I went to that, that class last oh, year. Oh, that was such a good class. That was down off of 59 at the church right. down there, and it was a like a trauma crisis training for right. first responders um, and veterans, too. Right. So we met in our class was a dispatcher, and some of the things she said, I was like, man, wow, I've been such a jerk. I never even gave, you know, how you guys, really, you don't get the same closure as I get. I go on to a, go to a case, Maybe it's cardiac arrest where you've helped someone do CPR over the phone and then we get there and you got to go on about your day, essentially. So, boom, you hang up the phone and on to the next call. And I, and I have all the time and, you know, <clears throat> I'm working the call and I know whether we transfer or we don't. And it's just easier. It's hard when it's a poor outcome, but at the same time, I was you know. there for the poor outcome and I know. And you've just... And basically just hung up on and I know you guys have to wonder what goes on but that's like four calls later you might get a second you do wonder um, lots of times I think with especially with dispatchers you wonder but like you said four calls later when you may have you know a couple minutes in between calls and you're like oh I wonder what happened with that baby that wasn't breathing or the baby that we delivered over the phone. Right. Or, yeah. But, and then another call comes in and it's out of your mind that fast. Right. You just, it's the, the stories or the phone calls that really hit you that you'll, you'll try and seek out the paramedic that responded later right. and say, hey, what happened with this? Or can you, can you find out something for me so that yeah. you can find, can, you can get closure. But at the same time, I think, because it takes a certain person to be a dispatcher, you have right. to have that disconnection. Yeah. Because that's just the that comes with the job. Yeah. If you don't have that disconnection and you you get it's not that you're heartless or that you're insensitive, but no, if you yeah. related 
personally to every call, you'd be a mess. Right. And some of them have to be just, because I know how people are, you know, kind of the demeanor when I get on scene. I can't imagine what the phone call sounds like. Or like how you actually disseminate what's really happening when they're just so upset and frantic and screaming and crying. Like how do you put it all together? You know, it's just, it's just a different level of being able to listen, I would say. It is. It is a, a complete different level. But I think it's just something I naturally could do. I just, I, my dad was a police officer my whole life. And so I was raised around it. I um, I listened to the scanner growing up. Oh, I mean, my yeah, mom yeah. had that thing on every night my dad worked. So <laughs> I kind of knew how the dispatcher sounded. I um, that's neat. Once I got in there, it just it just clicked for me. It was just something I liked to do. I liked to help people. Like, and it it was multitasking. It was. It was deciphering through, like you said, right. through the screens and through the through everything that was going on and just trying to get the important information so that you could get them help. And you knew if you didn't get the information, you couldn't get them help. Right. And the most important part was getting them help. So you did whatever you had to yeah. to get what you needed to do to get them help. It's amazing. So you spent 12 years. That time versus, like, if you describe that time as far as your community, how you coped with those things, like, what do you think went well? That you handled, like how you handled things well, what do you think helped you? And what things do you think you didn't do as well that could have been done differently? I think I handled the job itself well. I mean, as far as, I mean, you take some of that home with you always. The the part I didn't handle well, I'm not a politics person at all. And we were always understaffed. So you were always overworked. Okay. You were always working 12 to 16-hour days. I mean, they still are. It, it's just, it's just, you can't work that much and be not drained all the time or not go home and just be whipped, you know. I just, it was just a lot, and you have to learn how to manage that. You have to learn how to, jog, you know, how to, how to space it out so that you can adjust your home life with the, with the work life and working those those kinds of hours. I actually miss the midnight shifts and the night shifts, and especially in the summer when it's beautiful outside at night. And we used to just go outside on a break and just sit there and look outside. And, right. you know, it was just, I miss that stuff. It's super easy, too. Like, I remember when I started, I'm, I'm assuming it's the same for you guys. I first was getting into it. It just, like, you always wanted to be there. So I was working 100-hour weeks. You know what I mean? Just because I loved it that much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but that, like you said, there was no balance. So there, there is community. There's an amazing EMS and police and fire and dispatch community. But it's not always healthy. And kind of our heart here at TLE is, like, how can we provide, like, healthy community? And what I mean by that is, like, I can remember years where everybody was always going to these huge parties and going to so-called... Uh, choir practice. <laughs> I mean, going to the White Horse and like starting early, super early in the morning, and all day and night. Don't forget GBI on Thursday night. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it was just yeah, just off the hook all the time. I, you know, I remember buddies showing back up 
to work and needing, you know, we're going on an ambulance and they're still a they're little bit, a little, a little bit to where they're getting <laughs> out of their car, little. which is running and the door is open oh, and they're just running with shirts untucked and jumping on rigs. Oh no. And it was a different, it was a different time. That doesn't happen anymore. There's more rules now. <laughs> For clarification. But, <laughs> For clarification. You know, the, the thing is, there was more partying, but that group of people that I, when I first started at 911, that group of people that we used to go there with was so close. Yeah. I mean, I can still contact some of those people. I'm still in touch with all those people. And I can still contact some of those people if I need something, and they would be there. Right. You know, it was just a close-knit family. Yeah. And and that's what I love. Once you're part of that family, you're part of that family. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, but if you could provide like bonfire or a barbecue or something that doesn't have to be a bar. Right. Or, you know, I mean, I hit three years sober on August 8th. Nice. Praise God. That's I don't, amazing. I don't need the alcohol. But back then, that's what it was. If you work second shift, you got to work at 11 o'clock. Right. You had to get to GBI and catch up with everybody. Yeah, but that's true. Like back that generation, so it's like basically we're we're right around the same age. So that generation of EMS and police and and the, the medics and the fire departments, you know. Now we're all like going to bed at nine thirty. <laughs> that's when I go to bed. No, it's like the early well, bird special. <laughs> right. Yeah, but we still enjoy family family functions and I still I just caught up with one of the old dispatchers at Genesee the other day and so it made you decide to get out of dispatch back then I got pregnant for my daughter I was remarried to my husband and I got pregnant for my daughter and um we decided I'd try the stay-at-home mom thing for a while I got postpartum really bad yeah that's when I hit the the alcoholism I would be good during the day with my daughter I, would, I was at home with her during the day, and I would be golden during the day. I would hang out with her and play, and the stress of being with her all day, I think, just took its toll, and I would, he, my husband would get home, and he'd take over with her, and I would just disappear up to the bedroom with a 12-pack of beer, and away I would go, and it was really, really rough, and I had gastric surgery the year before I met him. So my drinking, as a paramedic, you probably know, does not go well with gastric surgery. As one of the paramedics told me after my gastric surgery, when I was still at 911, he said, how much are you drinking? And I said, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Lies, right? <laughs> that was before I quit 911. He said, well, you know, you got to be careful because they say there is a um, pattern of alcoholism with people that have had gastric bypass surgery because the alcohol goes through you so fast that you right. get drunk faster mm-hmm. but okay. because it doesn't stay in your system you also sober up faster yep. so you get drunk and sober and drunk and sober and drunk and sober and you can do that multiple times in one night but you're also drinking twice as much so it was the third time I ended up in the hospital with pancreatitis that's a lot on your system that my yeah it is a lot on your system my husband finally oh no you're okay through everything through my drunken binges and my screaming fits and 
nobody deserves to be put through that. And it was selfishness. It was complete selfishness. I wasn't dealing with it in a healthy way. I was drinking to try and numb the pain. That wasn't the way to do it. So when I left the hospital with my third attack, I promised. I would never do that to my kids again. Or my husband. <laughs> and I never did. So I was told 8-8 is a day of new beginnings. That's really cool. That is cool. So that is the day I that was my first day of no drinks. And I have not touched one since. Not alcoholic beer, anyway. <laughs> um, but it's been a very, very long road back, and I'm still working at it. Um, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to repair those bridges you broke. Yeah, all you can do is do your best to show, do your best to live it out, um, be willing. And to take that one step at a time, you know, because that's all that any of us can do and to be able to leave that door open for whatever God would choose to do, you know. So I'm I'm believing and knowing and even just from the conversations that we've had of what God is doing in your family and what God is doing in you and what God is doing in your husband's life and your children, you know, because this today isn't the end point. There's a really cool part of a verse from us. I forget what song it is, but he loves us too much to leave us here that we are still in process and that he is faithful to continue the work that he's doing in all of us. It's really cool to hear that you made those decisions to stop, that you made those decisions to say, this isn't good enough and I want something different, something better for my kids and for me and to do the hard thing to turn around and do something about it. But now it is going to take a minute to walk that out. And, but God is so good to continue that work in us. It, it has been a long road. And, of course, when I decided to stop drinking and to, um, to start that road of sobriety, I have, honestly, and this is not, I, everybody processes and deals with their addictions in a different way. Yeah. I personally have been to one AA meeting. It wasn't going to help me. That's not, that wasn't what I wanted I shouldn't say that isn't what I wanted. I just knew that wasn't what was going to help me keep from drinking. Yeah. I needed to fight my demons. Yeah. It was, it was my demons that were causing me to drink. It was my depression and my wanting to bury my anger and my depression and my, and my pain of that. They wanted to keep drinking because the more I drank, the less I felt. Yeah. Going to an AA meeting wasn't going to help that. I had to deal with that on my own. I had an amazing friend. Amazing support. And she gave me one of her NA books. And I read through it. And I'm like, 12 steps. Which 12 steps? Who needs 12 steps? What are 12 steps? <laughs> I don't need to go to AA to do 12 steps, whatever. But she talked me through everything, and she gave me this journal, and she wrote this long, you know, long thing to me in it. And write in it, write in it, write in it. And anytime I 
had doubts or was struggling and her husband was a recovering alcoholic. So okay. that was them in my life. That was God putting them in my life. I have an amazing family. Like I said, I always prayed. I always talked to them. But until I started coming to a church that people actually cared about you and huddled around you and related to you, I didn't know what it was like to really be able to feel God in you. To be able to let go and just trust God to do what he needs to do in my life and not have any control over it was so hard. And it took me so long, and I'm not going to lie. It has been within, like, the last couple months that I've done that. And it's been a game changer. That's cool. For sure. Right on. Well, thank you for being so bold. That you just, that was raw, you know. And there's people that we probably both know that are going to hear this and they're going to be like, oh man, I've been doing that same thing for X years now, you know, and holy smokes. And I didn't even realize. And it's going to be, that's going to, what you shared tonight is going to be a game changer for someone for sure. You're going to change somebody. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Sorry for the tears. <laughs> oh my word. No, I'm just like, like Jim said, like you're bold and brave and just honest. So thank you for being that. And you know, this is thing where people are going to have to hear it that raw. That's, I mean, you could, I mean, Ashley's gifted at editing. She could make it sound all yeah. fluffy, but it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it won't, it won't have the same significance if it isn't just raw like this. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Freedom Center Church for letting us use the space. We absolutely appreciate it and your support. We love you, friends and family, all of our Lighthouse friends and family. Yeah, follow us, like us, be a part of our community. And if you want some other good listening, the Morning After podcast is great. All right, we're out. See you next time.